Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I saw a father saying goodbye to his child with a profound disability yesterday. It really is harrowing. It's so important that people who have a large following are aware of the impact they can have in the messaging that they put out. Lack of communication to their customers. It's terrible, you know. I'm embarrassed by it. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Traffic is nuts. Traffic crazy from the Elysian going right around the bend from the South Link Road back as far as Penrose wharf sitting at a standstill for ages does anyone know what's going on that's a message just coming to us there during the news also a crash on the Glounton to Little Island dual carriageway long tailbacks down there as well uh, Eva sent that one in thank you 083 396 96 96 for your message or indeed voice note if you're stuck in traffic anywhere around town uh, this morning although such a bright sunny, lovely morning, you'd think traffic would flow reasonably well, but such would appear to be the mess they've made of traffic in the city centre. And look, it all is so they tell us, it's all about planning for the future and, you know, we have to take a little bit of hardship to to reap the benefits long term and you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs. Every cliche that you want to think of, they're giving us that. But at the moment, traffic is a flipping nightmare in, in Cork City. And Declan, was it Declan, who had been talking to me on the show last week, the week before, was back on to us yesterday saying that his commute to work, which used to take 23 to 24 minutes, is now taking an hour every day, regardless of the weather conditions. So there's a complete hames has been made of traffic in the recent past. We're just being told it'll, it'll all pan out. We're being told to just, you know, put a bit of faith in it and it'll all pan out and we'll be happy as, you know, pigs in our own poo in a couple of years from now. That's fine. It's difficult to get there. Yeah, there was a car broken down there by the Little Island exit uh, blocking the left lane. Thanks. Is that David had that solution? Thank you. Thank you. That's what caused that particular problem. Good morning. 0818 96 96 96. The number. The text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. We will watch 
as closely as we possibly can. And I promise you faithfully, if anything comes to us of news from Meta stroke Facebook uh, before 11 o'clock, they're supposed to break the news internationally at 11 o'clock. We know we've got a lot of people working for Facebook here in Cork. They're they're working through uh, various different levels of the company. I don't know quite how many are working in Cork. We're trying to find that out. But if there's any Cork jobs affected in terms of Facebook stroke Meta, we'll certainly let you know first thing this morning. Which draws me to a story that's in the examiner today. And I heard this being talked about before and I don't honestly know where I would stand on it. The Minister for Social Protection, Heather Humphreys, says that she will bring forward a plan this side of Christmas That would mean your job seeker payment, should you be unlucky enough to lose your job, your job seeker payment would be related to your previous salary for a period of time at least. She said it would be kind of pay-related welfare benefit and it would avoid a cliff edge. So if you can imagine, if you're taking home, say, if you're taking home a thousand euro a week, you're in a good job if you're taking home a thousand euro a week. If you're taking home 500 euro a week, you're still in a pretty decent job take open 500 euro a week well if you lose your job tomorrow then you're down to you know job seekers um, she wants to relate she wants to link the amount you get on job seekers to, to the salary you were getting before you lost your job now it'll all have to go to consultation with the unions and all of this and nothing will happen until next year but that's that's the idea she has and she'll bring it forward before Christmas I don't know what you think a lot of people losing their jobs at the moment have lost their jobs, businesses closing. I was very sorry to read at the weekend, and I forgot to mention it on Monday or Tuesday. Very sorry to read of the demise of Dockland, a lovely restaurant uh, down there on the on the boardwalk there. Uh, previously Brasserie, and uh, Beth and her team there ran a lovely house and served a gorgeous plate of, among other things, a gorgeous plate of fish and chips. But it's very, very sad to see Dockland gone. And Dockland was one of these places that during the pandemic, Dockland stepped up. And when they couldn't open, they ran Click and Collect. They were, I think they were one of the first of the city centre restaurants actually to do a really popular Click and Collect service. So really, really sad to see them, to see them gone. And for people who lose their job and are losing their jobs in the energy crisis and are losing their jobs and will continue to lose their jobs, this is an idea that the minister has. I don't know how what, or what you think of it because I'm not expert enough to think about it, but let me know. 0818 96 96 96 on the roads before I go to the first topic of conversation. Shona, hi PJ, it won't work out. It's a disaster system is run by incompetent people. Do you know what, Shona? I dread to think that you're right. I do dread to think that you're right. It doesn't look good, what's out there at the moment. It really, really doesn't look good. We kind of have to take them on a promise, though. Thanks. 0818 Yesterday we were talking about IKEA and the fact that here in, I- in Ireland, in the big IKEA in Dublin, they're paying huge amounts more for stuff that you get in Ikea in Germany. The same stuff. There's one particular microwave, uh, and the number's off the top of my head now. It's, it's 49 euro in Germany, and it's 79 euro or more here. And there's a few more things like that. And the Sun did an investigation into it, and they found quite a considerable difference between here and uh, 
and Germany in terms of stuff being sold in IKEA. And the economists that they talked to for that research in the Sun said, well, actually, IKEA are clever people. They know we'll pay more. And I'm thinking, okay, so IKEA, or anyone like IKEA, that has an international footprint, to use that horrible word. So you take a company that can set up anywhere in the world, like Lidl, Aldi, Ikea, you name it. They can charge something in Spain or Germany. And then they charge more here for the very same thing because we'll pay it. And that's what the economists have discovered. You wonder where that sits with regard to property and houses and and buying a house here and buying a house, say, for example, in France, in Brittany, beautiful part of the world, gets gorgeous summers. Siobhan, you you did just that, didn't you? You you bought a place in Brittany. Morning. Morning. Uh, Yes, that's right, PJ. We had looked at the kind of the cost of holiday homes in Ireland. um, And obviously, you know, they're quite prohibitive, like all Irish property. So we had been going to Brittany on holidays uh, for years and um, we always liked it. And uh, so we decided, you know, at some stage we we were thinking about buying a house, but we were going to leave it till we retired. We're both still working. Um, And then about seven um, years ago, we kind of decided, look, if we do that, we might never do it if we left it till we retired. And we said we'd take a look at it. So, um, yeah, we um, had a look. Uh, We knew Brittany well anyway, and we kind of narrowed down the area we wanted to to look in. So, I mean, yes, you get much better value in Brittany, definitely. Um, But I suppose, you know, you also have to factor in that you, you can't buy a coastal property there. Coastal properties are dear. Really? So yeah. the house that we have is in an inland village and um, so you're talking like about a fraction really of what, what you'd get what you'd get um, in Ireland. We've got some pictures of the house. It looks lovely but tell me what you have and I guess most importantly what you paid for it. So um, it's we were looking for a two to three bed property but actually after looking at kind of physically going over and looking at nine different properties narrowing that down from you know uh, hundreds really online before that um, this was actually the cheapest property that wasn't why we bought it um, so for 54,000 um, we got ended up with a five bedroomed house in a village um, that had yeah yeah was it standing up <laughs> Oh, I was standing up. Yeah, no, I mean, we were like, we were lucky, uh, like house prices, we were looking kind of anything up to about 70, 75,000. That was the maximum we could afford. And um, yeah, no, we it was run as a and b and I think by an English couple. And I think we were lucky in that they split up through divorce. And we were just lucky that, you know, according to another estate agent that we know, she reckoned we should have been paid about 20,000 more for it. But they just wanted it sold at that stage. Right. So they had done all the hard work. They'd done the kitchen, um, en suites, that kind of thing. And uh, some of the furniture was included, which was great to start us off. Uh, so, yeah, and it has a little side garden. It's, it's in a village, so it's right. Mm-hmm. It's an old house. It's kind of 200, maybe 50 years old. So it's right onto the street, but the garden is at the side of it, which mm-hmm. you can get into from the kind of the back of the house. So how much time do you spend there now, Siobhan? 
Well, I'm teaching. <laughs> My husband isn't. So uh, I get to spend more time there than he does. So I suppose, PJ, pre-COVID, um, I, like in 2019, I spent uh, 16 weeks in total throughout the whole year. So literally any time I was off, I was over there. Um, last year, I think I spent about 10 weeks there. So um, like most of the time, obviously, it's great. It's in Brittany. In the summer, you can get the ferry from Easter on. You can get the ferry direct from Cork so it's very handy it's about two hours drive at the other side and uh, pre-COVID again we had more flight options we could fly Cork to Wren so we used to go over maybe for the weekend or mm. we could fly into uh, Deanard in northern uh, Brittany with Ryanair from Stansted so we had a lot more options flight wise we're hoping they'll come back because it was really handy for yeah. you know if you want to hop over for a long weekend you could to check make sure it was okay and all of that um, so yeah I mean it's it's you can still get good value in Brittany, but the prices have gone up since then. But it's still possible for people to buy a very good house for under 70,000. That's amazing because there is no way you would get a fraction over here of what you've got over there for multiples of that price. Absolutely. Well, the way I always put it, PJ, is there are people here in Ireland, we don't, but there are people in Ireland who who, um, who would spend that on a car, you know. So I suppose it was the one thing I would say, um, I suppose what made it a small bit more complicated for us is we, we didn't have the money to buy it. So we had to get a, a mortgage. And that was tricky because the banks in Ireland um, were very reluctant to, you know, a laugh after the, the financial crash, but were very reluctant to give out loans for buying foreign property. So we then had to go with a French bank and um, get a mm. mortgage to them as a non-residential uh, mortgage, which was an awful lot of paperwork, an yeah. incredible amount of paperwork, but it was worth it. Yeah. Now, when you're there then for your 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks, whatever, yeah. long weekend, you nip down around the corner for the bit of bread and milk and eggs <laughs> and stuff. Like, what, what, how does that compare? No, costs have gone up like everywhere in the last year. But um, yeah, I mean, well, we wanted to be in a village. We have boulangerie around the corner and a little bar uh, that's now been taken over actually by by new people and it has more events and things happening in it. So like meals out and that um, during the day, they do this uh, in a lot of bars, um, not just in Brittany, but around France. Um, but I suppose rural Brittany is particularly good value. You could get a men- what they call a menu du jour. So it's usually kind of, uh, three courses yeah. and usually with, with a drink with wine um, and that could be anything from 12 to 14 euros and that's your three courses in some cases it's four courses plus me. wine <laughs> so you know there's no comparison really to what what yeah. you pay here um, you know so from that perspective <clears throat> and then just I suppose drink is an awful lot cheaper like is there something like a, an Aldi or a Lidl or is it a Carrefour is the, the equivalent over there yeah, there's uh, Superu and Leclerc and Carrefour. Yeah, and they're all obviously big chains, so they're quite competitive. But also there is a, near to us, um, well, about 15 minutes away, there's a little. And um, like I get wine, <laughs> I get wine to bring back there because the wine, they often do promotions on the wine. So you could get a fantastic <laughs> bottle of wine for 180 or 250. Oh yeah, I mean, our favourite wine, PJ, is a one called Roche Mazze. And uh, lots of people that will go on holidays to France will know it. Yes. It's quite a common one. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's six bottles of that I bought. Uh, I was oh, just over there for midterm. Six bottles of that in a box was fourteen fifty or something, you know. I know you're both still working, but will it be the forever home sometime? 
It won't really, to be honest. A lot of people have asked us that. I'd say what we're our plan really is that we'd go over there maybe for about five or six months of the year. Mm. Um, but I, I, I'm a bit of home bird, and we're very close family, so I'd be very reluctant to move there. And the other thing is, um, like it's quite, it's very, very quiet. Um, in the in the winter, really, really quiet, you know. Yeah. Uh, so where where we are, at least, um, whereas in the summer it can be quite touristy and it's it's buzzy. But the winter, there's very little going on. So I can't see us staying there for a winter, really, to be honest, you know. Siobhan, I, I'm jealous of everything <laughs> you've told me, and thank you for telling me about it. Okay, thanks, PJ. Bye. Cheers. Uh, like they got a five bedroom. I know that's inland, and there could be a bit of resistance from the. For the coast and that, but they got a five-bedroom old guest house in a village in Normandy or in Brittany, rather for for fifty something thousand. And even if they were paying full whack, you'd still get an awful lot for under eighty. There's some comparison, isn't there? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Is it like that's what the economists said to the Irish Sun when they went researching the price difference? between Ikea here and Ikea in Germany, as it turned out, the economist said, look, the Irish will pay more. So is it the same with regard to buying yourself a house? The Irish will pay more. We'll find it somewhere down the back of a couch or in an old biscuit tin or in some charitable banking institution that's willing to give it to us for profit. We'll find the money. Are we terrible fools that way? 0818 96 96 96 The 10k toy giveaway Fill your Christmas with fun and play On Cork's 96 FM Got a pocket full of cash we can blow Yep It all starts Monday From Monday 14th You're listening to Cork's 96 FM All day long For your chance to text a WhatsApp To win Loads and loads and loads and loads Of 500 euro toy shopping sprees yours for free on the 10k toy giveaway with Cork's 96 FM listen and win from next Monday morning at around a quarter past eight the lads will have all of the details yesterday I was talking to uh, McBarry TD about inflation and the cost of living and how we might drop prices and, and, and all of this and Mick was you know talking to me about socialists' principles, which, which, look, Mick holds them dear and his supporters hold them dear. Uh, and I was disagreeing with him and all that. And that's, that's the nature of the program. It's an opinion line. I have my opinion, he had his, and others have theirs. And I got this, and I want to read it for you before I go to the break to see what you think of it. If you remember what Mick was saying yesterday, he said, under the principles of socialism as such, many big corporations would be taken over and and run as public interests rather than as big profit machines for for the elite. Look, that's the the, the nature of, of Mick's type of socialism. He's as entitled to it as anybody else is entitled to their beliefs. And... Myself and Mick have had many a Barney over the years, on and off the air. PJ, there's so much about the homeless figures from all the opposition parties. And while even just one homeless person is awful, this message says to us, look at the reality. The number of Irish homeless is less than 1% of the population. That's not different to many other countries. These socialist parties want to tax everyone out of the country including all the multinationals that directly and indirectly employ a huge number of people. We've earned all our money 
paid tax on every cent, bought our home, paid stamp duty on it, and now we're taxed again on paying property tax. And unlike other countries, we get nothing in return. Every other country in Europe faces the same cost of living crisis caused by Putin's illegal war. I'm not a landlord. I own my own house. But I completely understand landlords leaving the market. These landlords are being relentlessly criticised and bashed. They pay nearly 50% of their rental income in tax, and a lot of them have mortgages on the properties. There's no incentive for them to stay in the market. These socialists want to kill the golden goose and have no future plans. They're saying what people want to hear so that they get votes and a ministerial wage. They aren't any different to any other politician. Mick was also talking, by the way, about bringing in a millionaire's tax uh, on on anyone with a million uh, outside of the value home, the fa- value of the family home. That your if your assets are worth over a million, Mick would bring a, a tax in on top of you, and that's what that response was. Another one we got is the tax system we have is fair and equitable. A lot of tech workers, particularly, have good wages and conditions. We probably have one of the best social welfare systems in the world. I've worked all my life and I'm retired now. As far as I know, there are more people paying tax now than there ever were. And we've had a lot of winners. I'd like to ask Mick Barry a question. His policies are unworkable in my view. If you're a small farmer on 50 acres, you could be asset rich, but very cash poor because beef and sheep farmers are highly dependent on things like single farm payments. And effectively, they're a dole payment for farmers to su- survive. I said I'd hold them over till today because there were a bit of a kickback against Mick's idea of a, of a millionaire's tax. Uh, and the point that that correspondent there was making is many people are asset rich, but cash poor, particularly at the moment. Your thoughts, more than welcome. 0818 96 96 96. Coming up, addiction to the internet. It's a real thing. Uh, Mary Kate Smith has been looking for the uh, Times of London for this, she's been looking at the real the reality of tech addiction. And it's kind of frightening. Talk to her next. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Oh. The Big Drive Home, weekdays from four. On Cork's 96 FM. Okay, so it's November. I think it's finally time that we should be allowed to talk about the C word. Christmas. Oh, sorry, don't know what happened there. Christmas. Okay, I won't mention it. However, all this week on the show, I've got details on the 10K toy giveaway, an amazing prize that the smallies in your life are gonna love. And it's just in time for Christmas. All right, fine. December. I'll tell you more every day this week from four. The Big Drive Home. With Kevin O'Leary, Silver Springs. The new home for Suzuki and Cork. Hybrid has never been so affordable. Call now to ensure January delivery. Cork's 96 FM. PJ says, Max, traffic is hard. Horrendous. I left Glanmire at quarter to eight. I just got to St. Finbar's Hospital. It's half past nine. I just got to St. Finbar's Hospital. The queue to the Glanmire roundabout is a joke. There's only four cars getting through the lights. That's Mags. Brendan then was on to say, I left my house in Cantork at half past seven. I just arrived. This dropped in during the ad break. I just arrived into McCurtain Street and it's backed up all the way to St. Luke's. It's carnage. People are now late for work all over the place. The City Council need to be held answerable for this, says Brendan. That is 
bonkers. And as we get closer and closer to Christmas and deeper and deeper into winter, I would predict, unfortunately, that what Brendan is telling us and what Mags is telling us, it's just going to get worse. And they're telling us inside in City Hall, look, you know, be, be patient. We have a plan. <laughs> yeah, in 1970-something, they brought out a thing called the Lutz Plan, which was to do with traffic as well, land use and transportation study. There was things in that that we still have never seen, like four parking rights. Remember that? Yeah, so I, I won't be waiting around and certainly won't be holding my breath for things to go right but people are ringing me at the moment and this conversation is just gathering pace on the opinion line Cork's morning traffic is now beyond ridiculous beyond ridiculous uh, Bailey hi Bail how you doing girl our Bailey traffic on the Southlink Road is backed up now as far as the park and ride oh god yeah 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 for, for, for park and rides was always the way to go it was a great idea. I think it goes back as far as that land use and transportation stuff. It came out when I was in school. I was in Cree Street. And I remember Burnsy in Cree Street talking to us about, in civics class back then, talking to us about the land use and transportation study and how important it was. <laughs> We're still waiting for it. Four parking rides would be the right way to go because you won at the four corners of the city. Or three at least. But we got one. One. We occasionally get a second one at Christmas out by the county hall. So don't be waiting around holding your breath for the council to do anything because they promised us. They promised us in the 70s. Four. Four. As the teacher used to say, Kerakeen parking rides. <laughs> we only have one. And don't get me started on the time it opens and closes. Like, I mean, I'd use it with a heart and a half. I'd use it in the mornings if it opened in time. And then it's no good to you whatsoever, for example, if you're at any kind of an event in town, the damn thing closes way too early too. Oh, wait, one. John Toomey, backed up to Bishopstown, coming in from Ballincollig. Yeah. Oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, it, it seems to me like the bones of seven or eight years ago that someone started talking about addictions to screens. But a friend of mine who was teaching drama and acting at the time, she took all of the phones off her pupils when they went into the class and put them in a basket down the end. And she said to me, she even noticed that when they were taken away from their screens, they, they get angsty until she could, if you like, occupy them with the, with the class. So do we get addicted to our smartphones? Do we get addicted to our screens? Do we get addicted to our tablets, to our laptops? The answer is Yes, absolutely, we do. And it can take the same toll on your body and your life and your mind as addiction to alcohol, addiction to drugs, addiction to gambling. Mary-Kate Smith has been writing about this in the Sunday Times. And Mary-Kate, I I don't think you even realised the extent of it until you began to take a look at it. Good morning. Morning, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I wrote this article and um, I was inspired by a story that I, I came across in The Guardian. Um, and it's actually from 12 years ago and I don't think like the gravity of this problem had even been estimated at that point. Um, I don't know if you remember, it was a big story at the time, a man um, and his wife in Korea, they were addicted to um, 
going to these uh, PC bangs, they're called in Korea. So it's like internet cafes where you can stay all night, basically. Um, and they abandoned their um, their child and she actually starved to death. And the irony of it is that they were um, feeding a virtual child in the um, in the internet cafe, you know. They were so addicted to the internet that they neglected their own child. Yeah. And, you know, I think that like, obviously my job as a journalist is to tell stories and like so many of my friends, you know, are moms and a lot of them are saying that their kids are having like really bad problems with technology addiction. And unfortunately in Ireland, um, there isn't a whole lot of help that you can get until you're 18 and over. Um, so a lot of these children, like they're just experiencing like their lives are becoming unmanageable without technology. They're, you know, they're spending um, prolonged periods in front of screens. Um, it's altering their moods. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just having a myriad of effects that, you know, really we probably haven't seen before because the technology probably wasn't as advanced as before. Like we definitely, I mean, we all had like Tamagotchis when we were younger and Super Nintendos and Mario Brothers. But now, um, you know, all this, there's all this inbuilt um, dopamine um, chasing in it. So like you see the blue tick when you, when someone reads your message, you know, you get a a ping when you you do well, you know, you're, you can get like all these in-game rewards. So it's it's chasing that high, you know. If you take something like TikTok, the most popular platform on the planet at the moment, you put up a TikTok and ping, 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 ping for likes. That Every time you get one of those, there's a kick. There's a, there's a kick, a dopamine kick to the brain and people are getting addicted to this. Yeah, well, it's estimated that over um, 1.88 million um, people are on TikTok in Ireland over the age of 18. So that's not even all the teenagers and young people that are on it. Um, and it's the fastest growing platform as well. So, you know, um, things like, you know, I spoke to um, a psychiatrist, Dr. Colin O'Gara, and he heads up the addiction services in the St. John of God's Hospital in Dublin in Stirlorgan. And he actually told me that... Um, that these, this internet gaming is an actual mental disorder. It's been classified in the American um, Diagnostic Statistical yes. Manual. You cite a couple of cases in the article, Mary-Kate, one being a Cork-based story, uh, Grace and her son James, not their real names, obviously. What happened to them? Yeah, so I spoke to Grace. Um, I, we actually met up um, and, you know, she was quite... Um, it's something that, you know, is really distressing her. Um, and she has a son, he's 15 years of age, and he is um, constantly playing FIFA. Um, you know, over the summer, like, he didn't have a job, so he was just playing it nonstop. Um, and, you know, at the start, she was kind of thinking, oh, this is grand, because, like, he's socialising with his friends. Like, he's um, he's playing with, you know, the lads, and they're kind of chatting together, and they're singing songs, and they're, you know, having fun. But... Um, the minute, you know, he was called for his dinner or, you know, he was called to come off it, he would absolutely lose the plot. He wasn't playing the violent games that some kids are playing, but he was attacking his sisters, his two sisters, like he was stamping his foot. Like you wouldn't expect a child at 15 to be like that. He was pleading, he was begging, he was crying, shouting like literally his life was unmanageable at that point 
just because he was brought away from his from his screens while he was watching. There was another story you told of Jenna. Yeah, so I met Jenna on the Internet Addicts Anonymous. Um, so people have to go on the internet to go to a meeting. Which is ironic, I guess, you know. Yeah, so like that's kind of, that's quite difficult because you know it's it's very very difficult for them to restrict. But she had sciatica in her hip. She was just sitting down all day every day. She stopped washing herself. Like she told me, she actually smelled like she full on smelled. She had this corneal hypoxia in her eyes. That was because she never bothered to take her contacts out. Right. Her moods were all over the place. She didn't eat. And this is because she spent, you say, 14 hours a day sitting in front of her screen, gaming, and as they call it, doom scrolling, and and could not bring herself away from that to do something as simple as eat or wash. Yeah, and like the really sad thing was, like she described to me how like she always loved music, like growing up, it was a really like just something that she loved to do and loved to listen to. And like she got to the point where she was so numb because she had to be so like um, basically she had to look at constant like multiple screens at one time. And she had to be like um, looking at various different things. And one thing just wouldn't cut it for her, you know, and she actually got to the point where she was like she couldn't even listen to music. She was just like I I was completely numb. Like Mary Case, your your research, I think, is formed opinions for you on on screen use it's the thing everybody now every child is raised in this on a on a screen but the message from your from your research is very strong this is an addiction like alcohol like drugs like gambling and we need to watch it and be aware that that can happen yeah and i think like you know there's a really strong um tendency in ireland to be like oh you know um everything is from stress like i have alopecia and everyone's like oh you're stressed and i'm like no i've an actual autoimmune disorder you know and this is very serious and like the doctor um colin o'gara like he described how like cannabis goes with this as well you know other drugs like it's it's not um, it's not just the one thing and not only is it a problem in itself, it also exacerbates other problems. So like, of course, social media, like, you know, people looking at these ripped, toned abs and bodies and they're getting body dysmorphia. They're just yeah. absolutely bombarded with that. And, you know, we had that before in magazines, but it wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now, I suppose. Yeah, there's there's so much under the bonnet of this thing called the Internet. We really are only beginning to learn that it is... I would have said this, Mary-Kate. I wonder, would you agree with me? It's the best invention of all time and the worst in the same breath. Yeah, I would definitely, because like I find myself like I like sometimes I don't even feel whole if I don't have my phone. If I leave my phone at home, I'm just like I feel weird, like I don't feel right. Yes. But then when I turn off my phone for like a day or two, the peace that it gives me, it's just... (laughs) incredible and I'm not addicted to technology so like imagine how difficult it is when technology absolutely surrounds you everywhere for a technology addict it's just like food addicts I think you know because like you can't give up food and you probably can't give up the internet either you're still going to have to go on it for some things you know checking bus times and things like that so big now we, we we have to teach children from the very first time we put a screen in their hand we have to teach our kids handle with great care 
Yeah, and there's a big study done of over 19,000 families over the last 10 years. Um, growing up in Ireland, it's called. It's really interesting, but they um, they say that like it's just totally normal for a child to grow up with technology to the point that like they'll be like, Alexa, like get me a glass of milk, you know? Um <laughs> So like it's just so normal and it's everywhere. You know now that you have had, you've said thousands listening to us. Oh no! <laughs> I don't know that one. Oh stop! I know. I personally find her irritating as hell. Well, well, well she's in, she's in my house and we'd be lost without her. But we we wouldn't want to be getting too addicted to her. Carry on either, Mary Kate. Thank you for talking to me today. Not a bother. Lovely to chat to you. And thanks for having me. Cheers, uh, Mary Kate Smith from uh, the Times, Sunday Times. Yeah, we are. I mean, like if you take this job, myself and Fergal and Emer here, and loads of us here on the top floor, we literally could not do <coughs> our job these days without the inter- internet. It's just not possible to do the job as we presently do it without the internet. Uh, and yet, at the same time, it is so so addictive. Um, Kevin says one thing FIFA have added is a playtime clock parents need to learn how to set up screen time YouTube how to do it see more screens but I get you YouTube how to do it if you don't understand how there's no excuse like I'm not tech savvy learn what your kids know which is a fair point Kev and we've been saying this for more than a while now that you know if you have youngsters and they're getting screens and computers and laptops and Blah, 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 blah. It's kind of your job to know what these things can do. Yeah, FIFA Playtime lets you see, it's for their video games, it lets you see how much time you've spent now playing FIFA 2023. 0818969696. Over at Carrick Tool Community College, they've been doing an interesting project uh, in transition year, which kind of connected to this. Uh, I'll chat chat with them next. Our Darren from the production department down the hall. Darren got the bus this morning at the top of Ballyvillan and it took him, he was getting to Summerhill North down there into St. Luke's, that area, you know, to get to work. Got the bus, and it took him from to get from the end of Ballyvillan to Summerhill North. How long do you think it took Darren to get down in that bus this morning at rush hour? I'll tell you in a minute, actually. I'll come back to Have a guess. How long did it take him to get from Ballyvillan down to um, St. Luke's or Summerhill North there to, to, to come in to work? Little guess for you. Little bit of... Now, down at Terry Tool Community College... They have been doing their Young Social Innovators project. And they've been looking at the dark web 
you know, that side of the internet that we're not supposed to know about. Uh, the, the whole of the internet that you do your daily stuff on, everything, pretty much everything we do is confined to maybe 20%, if even that, of the internet. So there's so much more of it and the dark web is a huge part of it and it's, it, it is what it sounds. It's a dark, dark, dark place. So down at Carrie Tool Community College, uh, two students, Sarah and Akram, have been looking into the dark web for their young social innovators project in transition year. Uh, Sarah, start by telling me, first of all, what is Young Social Innovators? Morning. Okay, so Young Social Innovators is used to spread awareness and create solutions to social issues. So every school picks a topic that they think is important and needs to be discussed, and they try to spread awareness in their school and outside the school in their community. So why the dark web, Sarah? Well, we picked internet safety because we think it's important for the younger generation in particular to be careful online. And we're trying to teach everyone in our school how to keep themselves safe online. Yeah. Do you feel that a lot of people don't know what to do or don't know who to talk to? Yeah, because as an iPad school ourselves, the internet is a vital part of everyone's lives. And we found that the screen times in our school was majority around four to seven hours a day, which is terrible for your mental health and can lead to anxiety and insomnia and all terrible issues. Yeah, it's almost as if people are hooked on us, isn't it? Yeah, it's an addiction, really. Yeah, and a lot of people have been approached by scammers, I think you found. Yeah, I think Akram has uh, some examples of people in our school who shared their story about scams and scammers. Were you surprised by what you found, Sarah? Yeah, there was, you know, students aged 10, 12, 13 who all had experiences, bad experiences with people online, you know, trying to steal money, information, getting leaked, you know, Instagram scams, getting PBS numbers, all of that. It was shocking, really, to see the amount of scams and the widespread of it. Did, did it surprise you? I mean, at the start of the project, did you realise just how much of it was out there? It really surprised us because we we thought that a few people would see, but it was just loads that have seen the scammers. Now, Akron, bring you in at this stage. In addition to the survey that you've done, um, you're also doing a podcast and uh, working to spread awareness. Tell me more. Yeah, so one of the ways is our school Instagram. So through the school Instagram, we have information on what cyberbullying actually is and some tips to like avoid it or what to do if you've come across it. We have a podcast where we've been giving tips to students and we've also been like getting feedback on what they've experienced. So we've gone around interviewing students of all ages on their experience of cyberbullying. And we've noticed that like even the youngest of students have come across and taken a negative impact from people online. Yeah, were you surprised by the things that you discovered? Yes, we were surprised because we were seeing students in first and second year that have come across like scams and hacks and such and we were seeing that they've been like brought to links and they've had to like use their credit cards to confirm their age or such and money's been taken and so on. Yeah. What would you like to do with the findings? Where would you like to take the project from here? We'd like to start trying to get the youth and our people are just all around to look at screen time and so on and just uh, we'd like them to like speak up on such things if they've happened to talk up if you if someone's bothering you online to talk up about it do you think people are afraid to do that 
Yeah, I do feel that people are afraid because of opinions and, you know, what they think will happen if they speak up. But I think that the best thing to do is speak up because then you learn so much from talking to people. Yeah. Sarah and Akram, good work and thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Akram, they're not on the best telephone line in the world, but but I hope you could hear what he was, what they have to say. Great work been done by the lads in Carrie Tootle Community College as part of their Young Social Innovators. Okay, it took our Darren 55 minutes on the bus to get from Balavalan down to uh, St. Luke's, that general area. 55 minutes on the bus this morning at rush hour. Like, they want us to use more public transport. Grand. They're even looking at providing more public transport. Even grander. <laughs> but then it takes Darren an hour to get from Ballyballan to St. Luke's on the bus. John in Cove says, listening to all the traffic jams, I hope, how is it not the fault of the councils? They make decisions that affect our lives as workers. They affect the profits of businesses, the education and health of people, and so on, so on. We people not using their brains about the effects of their decisions. They should all be rounded up, and I know what I would do. The wrong people are suffering job losses today, and I think you mean with regard to Facebook. We're keeping an eye on that. If we find out anything to do with uh, Facebook stroke meta employees in Cork, I, I guarantee you, uh, we let you know. The Cork Diary. Cork's 96FM. The Martin Lawler 5K Memorial Race will take place on Sunday the 20th of November from Little Island Community Centre. Organised by Cork Mental Health Staff in association with Cork BHAA, registration is from 9.30am with a run at 11am. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie The Cork Diary with corksimon.ie Your support this Christmas is more than a gift on Cork's 96fm The lines are live and we're ready to talk Can we just talk? Call 0818 96, 96, 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Right, no time for me to be gas bagging here after the news except to read out this one. Traffic was a standstill on the Christie Ring Bridge at 8.30. It was down to two buses stuck in the yellow box. So much for depending on public transport. There were guards there to stop people turning right. They ended up stopping traffic to let the buses get through. Lucky they were there, but that wasn't really what they were there for. Thanks for that. 0818 96 96 96. Save the number that hex to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. There is a protest has begun at the airport business park. A sit-in has started at Board Gash, their offices in Airport Business Park. I'll go there live in in a few minutes. But I want to go first to DJ, because DJ, you got in touch with us about internet addiction, which is much more serious than we might think. And and there's even now Internet Addicts Anonymous has, has set up. You... I was saying how we all have to use it in our daytime job, so it's almost unavoidable. Good morning. Uh... PJ, good morning. How are you? Very well, sir. What would you like to say? Um, yeah, look, I, 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 see, I understand completely the, the internet addiction. Um, I actually, I have two small children and they are, without a doubt, addicted to their devices. 
um, I myself, like anyone else, I, I grew up, I'm 51, so when I grew up there was no internet. I remember dial-up, which I think was a better thing because you had to wait so long <laughs> for the page to load. You got you lost interest. You and me but, both, buddy. You and me yeah, both, yeah. Running a big, long phone line down to your bedroom late at night, you know. <laughs> and, um, but the... the um, like, yeah, I use, I mean, I have to use a, a computer for work. I have tablets. I have two phones. But for me, they're complete tools. I, I, I use them for exactly what I need to use them for. And actually, at the very beginning of COVID, for a couple of different reasons, I decided I'd come off social media for a while. So I suspended my, my Facebook and Instagram accounts. You can just part them and, and say, I'm not using them at this time. So yeah. I didn't delete them. I just suspended them. And I turned off all the notifications and everything like that. And to be honest, I never went back. Um, yeah. This is what, now 2022. I have not been on Facebook or anything like that since 2020. And I, I don't miss it. I don't miss it in the slightest. Mm. Um, a lot of the time, okay, they say, oh, it's to keep in touch with your friends and all that. Most of my friends, even around the world, look, we have each other's phone numbers. There's WhatsApp now. There's other mediums that you can communicate with but I did find that you know last day I was scrolling down through this page over and over and over and over and and I was getting nothing from it at the end of going and you're losing you know hours every day yeah yeah and um, now I can understand with children they've grown up with this it's great and um, like my son you know would, would have been an avid um, uh, PlayStation player all through COVID he played Fortnite probably more than anyone else but he actually stopped playing it himself he, he got bored with it mm. and now it's it's more his phone um, that he was on TikTok but somehow or another using my account he got me lifetime banned from TikTok I don't know what he did <laughs> 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 How does a ten-year-old boy get DJ? I'd say you're almost afraid to find out why. Are you? <laughs> yeah, I, he reposted something obviously that he thought was funny, and TikTok didn't. And, and it's um, hard so, to get a lifetime ban off TikTok now. Yeah, let's so I, I just did. Well, I, I, I think I could probably reapply. I just didn't. So I, we, I took him off that, and he, he and uh, like, I mean, I do use the internet. I mean, I, I use a, a computer. I use a computer to do programming and stuff. But I'm lucky. I'm more on-site, so I'm not stuck in front. Of the computer and sorry, has, does your work mean that you have to have any kind of social media presence? Uh, no, no. Right. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. That would be just for for professionalism. And even again, it, it, that's more of an online CV. And I just update Facebook from time support, to time. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, but I, again, I've no notifications. I've nothing like that. Um, and the the um, but LinkedIn has you know helped me over the, the years making contacts with people in my field of my industry yeah. and but like I take my laptop out when I need it and um, it's rarely actually connected to the internet because I'm on site so therefore it's used for programming or and then I, I do use my, my phone for emails you know as, as mm. because they just not don't stop and but to be honest I, I do see the issue I see my kids uh, when they stay with me I you know even at dinner time I say okay it's dinner time and and they say, come on now, it's dinner time. And they come out and the, the, the devices come with them and I, I don't allow them at the dinner table. Yes. And so then there's a little bit of a kickback and I'm going, what, for five minutes while you eat your dinner? No, you'll put them away and talk yeah. to me, <laughs> you know. And like, it's, you know, I, I can understand the usage because children now, yeah, due to all of the, 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 
the, the things available to them and, and, and what they get from them. I do notice my son, if he hasn't had his phone in an hour, he'll start to act up a bit. My daughter's younger, so she she's not so bad, but... Um, he will. He'd be kind. He'd be looking for it, and I mean, they'll run it down till the battery is at zero and it turns off. You know, and then you're you're, or else they'll they'll have it just plugged in constantly, yeah. trying to use it. And once, once the battery I, I, drops below fifty percent, they start getting panicky. Yeah, I, so I, I mean, I would recommend to anyone take take a month off Facebook or, or or Instagram. Take a month off, unless you're an influencer and it's your job. You know, say right, I'm not going to use it for a month. And I put a post up saying, look, I'm coming off this for a while. Anyone who I know has my contact details and please feel free to contact me. But I never went back. And the amount of time I have now, the phone doesn't come out of my pocket unless it's a phone call. If if I want to read the news, I will actually just go directly to the news website, whether it's breakingnews.ie or RTE, and I will read the news there. But I've nothing sends me notifications or look at me or this is happening or nope. And to be honest, you know, for for someone who works in with with technology, and I do like technology, and it, it, it's very useful. I, I I would say to anyone, if you feel you're on it, just non-stop. A, you can put a timer on these apps to say, look, you've been on this for four hours today. Yes. Get off it, and give it a break. Give it a week. Give it two weeks, mm. and see how you feel afterwards. Because it, there's a withdrawal, like anything, and then. All of a sudden, you find you're doing other things. Are you? I mean, in fairness, I do watch stuff on YouTube, but it's on my TV at home um, because I don't actually have RTE or BBC. I just have an internet TV, and the, so so I. But I, I watch some bits and pieces of that, but they're normally short. You know, you get a thirty-minute show yeah. or something that I'm interested in, and I found it's just changed the way that I've used it. It's interesting. And, um, for, for me, who like you know would be a tech fan, don't get me wrong, I love the technology. Like I said, I have Chromebooks, laptops, PCs, but some of them now are just gathering dust. To be yeah. honest. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I just wanted to say, yeah, the kids, the kids are the problem. You, you, I think you need to be more strict. It's like the, the, the it's like the sweets. You know, you can't have them all the time, yeah. and it's so easy to oh, just take your tablet and give me twenty minutes peace. Um, I'm I'm lucky, I suppose, that when I spend my time with my kids, I want to spend the time with them because I don't see them all the time. And the the so I'm going right, you know, or you don't you mind if it's if it's if it's cleaning the house or doing something, go out. We and I would say to people, put limits on. And, and I'm not telling people. I'd say I would advise that it worked for me. And but, but put limits on yourself if yes. you're telling the kids not to have it. Then say, look, I'm not going to be on it either. Yes, and. Yes. Um, you know, I think it, it does help, like like anything. Yeah. Um, what is it? <laughs> a guy called Rasmussen years ago said, everything is toxic to humans. It just depends on how much of it you have. So, I remember that. I do remember yeah. that comment, now that, yeah. that quote. Now that that, that, he, he was in the 1700s. I actually did a, I did a, a, a thing on him for, for my degree. I'm in safety, so... Um, but the, the so like everything, it doesn't matter what it is, is toxic to us. It just depends on how much of it you have. Fair point, fair point. DJ, I'll leave it there. Thank you very much for that. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. DJ, quit social media uh, two years ago before the pandemic. Never went back and doesn't miss it now at all. Even though he uses tech all the time in his job. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Right, Margaret, thank you very much for holding. You're up there. Not at all. Board gash in the airport business park. What is happening? You're from the Cork uh, Cost of Living campaign. Good morning to you. 
Good morning, PJ. Yes, we are. We're here to make the point that the hikes, the increases in people, gas bills and all energy bills have been, in particular gas, has been increased five times since 2021. And in particular, Borgosh made 74% profit in the first half of this year, 2022. And at the same time, they they um, increased the cost. So we are saying that's not acceptable. Um, for instance, I'm an old age pensioner and it affects older people, it affects everyone. Yes. And when you include in that the cost of rent, the cost of food, um, the cost of electricity and gas, all, all of that, and, and um, not to mention people that have to get tanks of oil and even a bag of coal, I believe, has gone up to something like 45 oh, euros. Ridiculous, I know, yeah. Kind of um, How many of you are there, Margaret? There are seven of us here. Seven, and um, are, you, what, yeah. are you sitting in reception or something? Um, we're just standing around and we're talking to the receptionist and there's an amicable, you know, atmosphere here. It's nice. Okay. Um, it's just that we felt we had to come to the headquarters just to make the point. Yes. And it's, it, it's empowering being in here. You're completely and peaceful. In the place. You're not there to cause we any are. trouble. But, oh, not at all, but, no. But, are you telling me that you're not prepared to leave until what happens? No, no, we'll be leaving all right. Okay. We're just making the point to highlight the fact that um, we're asking people to come out and march with us on Saturday at two o'clock in Grand Parade. Um, we'll be outside the library and we'll be marching through Cork to highlight the cost of living, the burden that it places on people, yes. the hardship, the poverty that's going to come from it and the homelessness. Um, and I think unless we come out in our droves, in, in all these um, demonstrations, we the government um, won't do anything. If Talk. they see us on the streets in high numbers, well, then they have to take notice. Talk to me a little bit about yourself. You, you say you're a pensioner, which means would, yes. would you be on a fairly fixed income, you would? Yes. yes. So you're, thing, you're, I'm on the state pension. You're, you're so, um, state, no, remind me, mm. how much is that, Margaret, who am I asking? It's, well, it's, it's 200 and something okay. um, per week. Now, where does and, your 200 um, and something go per week, Margaret? To, well, that's the thing. Um, like, I'd have all the usual bills, like the heating, the electricity, the, you know, all those kind of things, food, clothes, um, you know, everything like that extra. And I'm a political activist for half, half a century, so um, obviously that costs money as well, you know, doing certain activities and all that. Sure. Um, and like when... You know, anything really socialising is so important. I mean, I live on my own, so it's very, very important to get out and socialise. And all that, you know, if you're coming home after the last bus has has run, you you have to get a taxi, all that kind of thing. And tell me, Margaret, Um, out of your your couple of hundred quid odd mm -hmm. a week, Mm -hmm. when you finish paying your bills and paying for your electric and paying for your gas and all those, like, I Mm -hmm. I take it that you have less money left in the purse this year than when you had yes. last year. How much less? Oh, there's no, there's no doubt about that. I wouldn't put a figure on it, but percentage-wise it would be because of the fact that food has gone up. Yeah. Um, transport costs have risen and that puts up the price, price of food as well. But there's huge profiteering going on. There, there is no necessity when an energy companies are making some the 74% in half a year. Um, there's no necessity for them to put up the prices. And what we're calling for there is for the energy companies to be to be nationalised. Yeah. 
in the past when ESB was owned by the government, totally, you know, a statutory body, mm. um, publicly owned, no profit. Um, and if there was a profit, it would go into the state coffers. Um, we had the lowest electricity prices in Europe. You're correct, actually, Margaret, now that you remind me of that. You are right, yeah. So I think that we should revert to that. We seem to be going backwards rather than forward. And the the toll is not just financial. It's psychologically and mentally. It's it's taking a huge toll on people, mm. not just older people, but people with young children. And remember as well that people like us raised the next generation of workers. And a lot of us are assisting in raising the next generation again. Yeah. Um, so, you know, raising the next generation of workers is a huge, huge contribution to society in yeah. general. And it's forgotten about. Are you fearful, Margaret, for that next generation? I mean, I'm of, a, I'm of an age now, you're of another age. Yes. Do, do you fear for the, the next generation coming through? Well, I think there is resilience. I, I would have no doubt about that because of my activism. I can see it. Um, I'm the oldest person here today, for instance. I'm over 70. But you, you have young people very, very active in fighting back. And that's where my hope lies. But I think there's a lot of uncertainty. Mm. I think that it is appalling that an ordinary working class person cannot aspire to owning their own home cannot, or cannot rent at a reasonable rent from a local authority. Yes. In the days when the local authority had their own direct employees that were qualified in the construction industry yes. and yes. had an apprenticeship programme, yes. that's the way to go. Like with the building council houses. at one point, do you remember this, um, mm. They employed carpenters and plumbers, and builders and yeah. electricians, every trade. And what's exactly. more, if you were young and had a trade and were good at the trade, you could get a job yeah. in the council and work till the day you retired. That's right. And you had proper pension rights, proper had, security in things. employment. And there was apprenticeship schemes within that. Yeah. Um, and you know the way, Margaret, well. we hear from time to time, people will look and they'll say, well, it is tough now. It is tough now, but, mm. but go back 50 years and, and times were tougher. So, oh, Margaret, they, you can exactly remember 50 were. years. Yes, were they? Were yes. they? They were very tough. They were. Um, but somehow there was more certainty. There, there was security of tenure. You, d- you didn't have the, the kind of the degree of homelessness, the, the kind of cruelty and viciousness of that. You didn't have that to the extent that it's there today. Mm. Um, I mean, in a society, in a, wor- in a world that we're living in, in a country like Ireland, that's um, a first world country, a quite a wealthy country, to have anyone sleeping outside in this weather or any time in the year, it, it's obscene well, and there's no, no necessity for it. That, that's the point that, that you and many others have made, Margaret, and, and my dear friend Katrina Toomey makes it yes, frequently and, and many other like her. There mm. is absolutely no need for this level of need. No, None. there isn't. None whatsoever except for the profiteering. The fact that a billionaire can exist, even take one billion, and I can't even envisage it, but that that billion could not have been amassed by one individual or one corporation without creaming off okay. profits that workers actually created. I don't have a problem with people getting wealthy through their work. Mm. I mean, look, I, I've said this before, Margaret, I'll say it again. I, I'm, I'm, I'm well paid for what I do. And, and, so, and so is my wife. And so you should well. be. But, teacher, but, yeah. but, but here's the point that I'm making, and I'm grateful. Every single mm. day that I come in, I'm grateful. But the point I'm making is this squeeze is starting to knock on our door. 
So what the oh my hell God, is it yes, like for yes, someone? Yes. Now, you know, we can sustain it, thankfully. Oh, thankfully. But but what's it like for yes. someone who earns half of what we do? Yeah, exactly. The bottom of the heap. You're, you're talking about the average worker. I mean, look at the fight back, for instance, by security workers at the moment. Yeah. They're paid, it's something like 11 euros something per hour. And top security went to court that particular company and stopped an increase, a very modest increase that they were fighting for. Um, now, they'll eventually succeed because it's a huge campaign and security workers are, are very militant at the moment. And you'll find pockets like that springing up from now on, I think. Um, you you find as well organisations in terms of rent organisations like CATU, C-A-T-U, yes. the, the, the Renters Union, You'll find um, those members as well, the very same as the security workers and the water workers. You ha- you have groups like that at the moment. I'm, that I'm in constant to. contact with those lads and they're facing down a very they're uncertain wonderful. path and, and they talk they to are. me from time to time and, and while their problems are complicated, they've taken the time to explain it to, 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 mm. to Joe Soap like me. They're facing down a very dark future. Can I ask you something, Margaret? And as I said, you know, it, mm. Kevin says it's wonderful to hear someone like a pensioner coming on the phone. I wasn't expecting oh, this nice. when I heard the word <laughs> protest. And to be fair, to be fair, Margaret, I wasn't expecting to be talking to, to, to a person of senior years involved in a protest like this. Maybe maybe here's a question to put across. I've, I've gotten a bit cynical, right, at this okay. stage of my life. Okay. And, and <laughs> I, I, I don't like cynicism, but, I, you know, no. it, it comes no. with the territory. And the one worry I have is that if half the population of Cork turns out next Saturday mm-hmm. afternoon into the yes. streets and marches, you know, and I'm old enough to remember the, the tax marches in the 80s. Oh, absolutely. But, but yeah. if, I was in them. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you were. But I was too young then, but you know what I mean. But like, mm. what I'm getting at is, if half the population of Cork turns out next mm. Saturday afternoon, mm. will it actually change anything? That's, the, that's See, what I, the cynical am, voice in my head says. No, I must agree with Doug, because he, without any action at all, they can ride roughshod over us, and the increases will keep coming and at a ferocious pace and anything any little stop at all they throw at us they wouldn't even do that only from pressure from below the only thing that works and at the end of the day that that is what matters and you see when it when it's this particular campaign the how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study People that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cork of, the Cork Cost of Living campaign in, comprises um, groups, working groups like the water workers, um, like the ex-Debenham workers, because they're all working in other places now and they're all joined, you know, unions. They're, they're great union people. You'll find there will be a groundswell and it's very empowering to actually march with your, your fellow workers, your fellow retired workers and mm-hmm. all the families you know, you find them bringing buggies, coming in wheelchairs. Um, you'd be surprised at at the feeling. It's a great feeling. And things do change as a result of it. Yes. Um, you get but, nothing if you don't protest. Nothing. You know and what, what we're that, doing that, today that, is highlighting that, the That's a point you're making. Aspect. You know, you might get nothing if you do, but you certainly get nothing if you don't. <laughs> that's a good point as well. But I do think it, it matters because it gets people used to being out on the street as well. Yeah. Um, you know, if you have a generation growing up that haven't yet started being coming active. I mean, in, in France, for instance, if they call a demo, all the different oh. sectors go out together. And I like that. I like seeing... The ability you know, of the French to stop France <laughs> yes. is... I've always, and I've always it's looked at it. Whether yes. it's truckers or fishermen or That's farmers right. or... You know, right. if like right. the, when, when the French decide, up oh, with this, we will not put, it exactly. just stops. That's it. Now, I would have to say, Margaret, like, what, if, 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 oh. if Michael McGrath was sitting opposite me here, and I know Michael yes. since he was practically just out of short pants, I know Michael. Okay. If Michael was sitting opposite us here, he would say, look, we're giving you 200 quid in the ESB bills. We're doing our best. We're giving people money into their pockets through the, the move, the, to the changes we made in the budget. What would you say to that, Margaret? I would say that that 200 is going to go straight into the pockets of the shareholders um, of the corporation because the energy corporation that is in each case. Um, and I think that that's obvious because the increases are going to continue. It's not going to to stop future increases. Mm. The thing that will stop it is the numbers on the street okay. um, and the action taken from that. I mean, when you look back, I mean, I'm a half a century now doing this and when, when I look back on things like contraception, that was like in the 70s when yeah. we started fighting for contraception Nell and rights. Nell and all it, them, yeah. It, exactly. And if we hadn't marched the streets, how long more would it have been? Shell to Sea was delayed for over a decade. That's right. You know, I mean, you, you do get results when you take to the streets. Yeah. I mean, you have, as well as that, in the housing question, you have Martin Leahy going up to the Doyle every Thursday singing. Is he his still song. going up? Everyone, yeah, every Thursday singing Everyone Should Have a Home. Is he still going up? Man? Yeah, Martin Leahy is like a trooper. He's, he travels from Cork and not just from Cork City. 
from Belnady where he lived Thursday. I'm just looking at Fergal here. It must be 18 months. It's six months. Six, six months. months last week. Six yeah. months last week. Yeah. Since, since and, and by the way, he will be in Waterstone tonight singing it as well because Fair enough. Um, Rory Hearn is, is launching his gas, his book called Gas. Oh yeah, I think um, I think my old friend Deirdre O'Shaughnessy is is doing she's that. She's going that to interview him. Yeah, yeah she yeah, is. Yeah. All right, yeah. Margaret. How long more are you going to stay there? Um, we won't be here very long more. I'd imagine we're just highlighting the fact that this is our nearest um, energy headquarters that we could find in terms of board gosh, our you know Electric Ireland, the big ones. Yeah. Um, and you've no, so you've no problem with the, with the people behind the counter there. It's just no, yeah. no. They're yeah. always they're workers. You see, they're. They're yeah. always amenable and, you know, we're not doing anything, all right. you know, except talking. That's all. <laughs> Margaret, I have so, enjoyed yeah. our conversation oh, so much. You. All Me that was too. missing was two mugs of tea and a packet of biscuits. That's, <laughs> that's all that was exactly, missing. Exactly, PJ. Exactly. <laughs> and, and don't forget, everyone that's listening, to turn up on Saturday in Grand Parade, two o'clock outside the library. All right. Margaret? Thank you for and talking we'll all, to And me. by the way, we'll also have Martin Leahy um, when we come back to Grand Parade after marching through town. Martin Leahy will be singing Everyone Should Have a Home. All right. Look after yourself, Margaret. Thank you very much. PJ Coogan on the Opinion Line. Silver winner. Silver winner. Best news story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Corks 96 FM. A lot of love out there for Margaret. The cruelty and viciousness of homelessness. I'm blown away by Margaret, says, says that call. And there are many more like it. 0818969696. Now, I don't know if you're following the American elections, the midterm elections, as a bit of a political geek, as you'd imagine I was following during the night. The, the, the feeling was that uh, there would be a, a Republican landslide in the congressionals and the senate and all of that and governors around the place it hasn't happened that way um the republicans will gain control of the the house of reps but but it does look as if the senate is is too close to call at this stage but here's uh, news from the state of massachusetts where the granddaughter of a cork emigrant has been elected governor, the first ever lesbian, out lesbian governor of a U.S. state. Her name is Maura Healy. She's a civil rights lawyer and she's Democrat and has just been elected governor of Massachusetts, defeating the Republican candidate Jeff Dell. Dale. She's proud of her Irish roots. Her grandmother was from McCroom. Oh, I have to talk to her. I absolutely have to talk to her if I can get her on the end of a phone. 0818969696. Governor Maura Healy, the new governor of Massachusetts. Civil rights lawyer turned Democratic Party governor of Massachusetts. Elected, just confirmed in the last few minutes. Her granny was from McCroom. 0818969696. More on that as we get it. Now, Justice Minister Helen McEntee is currently embroiled in a controversy involving a woman called Tracy Tully. Now, Tracy Tully is a mother, a grieving mother. Her son was a super talented boxer called Kevin Sheehy, who would almost certainly, had things not happened the way they happened, uh, now be getting ready to represent us um, 
with distinction at the next Olympics. But back in 2019, Kevin Sheehy was murdered. He was murdered in Limerick by a man called Logan Jackson, an Englishman, and it was brutal. He he he, he rode him down and repeatedly ran over him in a jeep. He mowed him down and ran over him in a jeep as he lay on the ground. An awful death. Uh, Logan Jackson, the murder of Kevin Sheehy. And he was jailed for life for that. But just a few weeks into his sentence, he applied, as is his right, and let's not take that, as is his right, he applied to be repatriated to the UK to serve his sentence there. It's not something that happens very often, and the Minister for Justice of the Day has a say in it. But he applied to be repatriated. The recommendation from the prison service was that he could be repatriated. And the minister approved it. But then, Tracy Tully, Kevin Sheehy's mom, put her hand up and said, no, I don't want that man repatriated to Britain. I want him to serve his sentence here for the murder of my son. And Tracy Tully joins me now. Tracy, I'll start by, by just saying that we're sorry for your loss and your, your poor boy got an awful death at the hands of this man, Logan Jackson. Tell, tell me about Kevin first. I mean, he was all set to be training for the Olympics in 2023-24. He was. He was primed for it, to be honest. He, he was a great, great young man. Um, just all training. Everything was sports with Kevin. Everything, anything Kevin... Joined, he, you know, he he was he achieved every in every sport. Yeah, yeah, and he he would have been training hard now, and he would have been. Yeah, he was after just coming home from Hull. To be honest, he was after winning a championship in Hull, yeah. and um, so he was taking a six-week break yes. because he was due to have he his baby was due. And she was born on the second. Kevea was born on the second of August. Yes. And Kevin passed away on the first of July. So. So she never met him. She never met her daddy. No. Yeah. I don't want to be too painful with for you, but take take me back to the time it happened. What do you remember? Um, I just remember. Kevin was out and we were watching him all evening on Snapchat, you know, and he was in a local pub and I knew he was in good company. They were after going to watch the Limerick hurling match. Yes. So it would have been Kevin's first match. So he ran out that morning to buy the jersey because I think they were doing like a fundraiser and they were training the boys from the hurling. So he got tickets. the, The hurlers were training to be boxers. It was something kind of like that so he got tickets and he was really looking forward to it and he was out with his mates because Kevin sacrificed a lot for his sport like there wouldn't be many nights out but he was out and it looked like the night was going well until um, I woke up at about four o'clock in the morning something kind of jerked me and I got up and then I tried to go back to bed because I was due back to work I was left to having a week's holidays right. and this is all I really remember. Um, I remember a knock at the door and a loud knock so um, I thought Ke- my whole home would have been closer to town so I thought Kevin, that was Kevin you know, and I just shouted I'm on my way down and then another bang and it wasn't, it, I thought it was Kevin but it was um, 
our friend to tell me that there was an accident. That's all I knew at that stage. Right. There had been an accident, but um, when I got there, um, I didn't want to go. I got so frightened. And I just said, "Is my son has my son died? Is my son dead? Yeah. Something." Just I knew it was very strange, and I still didn't know till I got there. And I saw Kevin's dad, and I'll never forget it. Like he was wearing a grey tracksuit, and his face was grey. Everything was grey. Mm. He just put his hand on my shoulder, and he just said, "We've lost him." And I, I, my first reaction was, where's the ambulance? I couldn't understand how there was an accident and there was no ambulance because Kevin had passed. And I remember my whole body self-destructing after that. I just went into... The only way I can always only describe it is like a cartoon robot self-destruct. Yeah. I don't remember anything after that for a while. Yeah, yeah. No parent should ever have to even imagine a moment like that. No, and I saw a picture of myself and Kevin outside, Lin- Kevin's dad outside Linster House least, just the other day. And I just saw the, I've never seen anything like it. It's just grief. We just, it's that haunted look of grief because yeah. grief is real and grief is not just a, a word. No. Yeah. I've went through so many stages now and I'm tired and I don't understand the minister's you know that she's not coming back with a decision yeah I'll come to that Tracy Jackson was jailed for life for, for murder yeah. and for what he did to your, your boy and the details are too horrible to go into for you and for, I think for a lot of people yeah. um, and I'm sure when you found out what he had done that broke you even more did it I felt like I was watching myself on a Netflix so it was horrific yeah. the the things that we heard for the first time I didn't know the extent of my son's injuries I wasn't able yeah. um, to accepting that this was oh, this was it like it's impossible to accept that no he has asked Jackson has asked to be allowed to serve his sentence in the UK and the Minister for Justice I understand has the final say as to, whether, has the final as, as to whether he gets to do that. Some people might ask, Tracy, well, as long as he's in jail and serves the full sentence, what does it matter where he serves it? As 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 Kevin's mum answer that for people. As Kevin's mum, it really does matter um, because I took my role in the court very seriously and I feel that we've been let down because I wrote and my daughter wrote a victim impact statement it took me a long time to write that victim impact statement and what I wrote was so I could leave this man behind he committed a crime in this country now I'm faced with this again you know because of this and then there's a lot of things that will be taken out of our hands you know like I I feel parole lots of things and I don't I think the biggest thing I don't understand is as well also is how he got it so fast yeah he was only sentenced eight weeks I felt very I felt powerless I, I think it is that he made his application and it's the prison service who has the yeah. say and they recommend that he get his repatriation the minister has the final say and now you're 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 asking the minister to stop it well to be honest i was asking a question to begin with why is this happening because i felt completely powerless this has been really really thrown on us this should not have happened yeah 
whatever way this goes, it will not be a victory for us. Like, as I said in my victim impact statement, a victory to me is watching my son in the National Stadium in Dublin. Yeah. Like we have always done and cheering him on. A victory to me would have been walking out of that courthouse with my son. This is not by any means a victory. This is morally wrong. I feel it's morally wrong and we shouldn't be going through this. It was one of my one of the things that I asked instantly, will he will he be doing his time? And I was without having it in paper, I was reassured that yes, yeah. ten years is the minimum. minimum. So it it was shocking for even Willie O'D or our local councillor Willie, he was, has been amazing. I've had great support to keep pushing me because I didn't understand any of it. It was out of everybody's hands. Every yeah. time I went to someone it was out and I had a very little time. I had four weeks so Logan Jackson was due to go back on the 6th. I would have lost everything. 6th or the 7th. I think I stopped him on that day. His kit was packed. Um, but I would have lost. I would have had no rights. I would have had... It would have been completely out of my hands. You went to court to prevent this transfer. Yes. To ask a question, why? Like, why is this happening so soon? And why yeah. does this man deserve... Do, do you feel this is a kind of a special treatment to let him go back to the UK? Yes, it feels, it's, everything feels because I, no one has an answer to it. You know, yeah. everyone was, has been kind of, this has been the first time I think this is, this has happened so easily, as far as I know. Yeah. You're back in the courts on Thursday. What is Thursday. due to happen then? Well, I'm hoping the minister will give us a decision whether he, he is gone or, and then we have to also, um, figure out the legal cost. Yeah. I'm up to 80,000 in, in bills at the moment. Yeah. It's the last thing I can do for my son, Kevin, yes. and he deserves it. He was primed. He was ready. He loved boxing. He, that was his favourite sport. Yeah. He was an amazing young man and he, he was great in the community. He was well liked and loved because I taught my son right from wrong at a very young age. Yeah. And this is all feeling so wrong. And you made the point to me off air that this is what he wants. He didn't care what your son wanted. Mm. And if he wasn't in this country, which I can't scream loud enough, that man was in this country for two weeks, as far as I know. And if he was not in this country, my son would be, I know for sure, training for the 2024 Olympics. That was his goal. I know that's what my son will be doing right now. So, you know, he took my son's life in, in this country. I think he should serve at least 10 years. Minister McEntee is a parent. You're a parent. Yes. One parent to another, Tracy. What's your message to Helen McEntee? Well, my message is, I know this because I didn't understand grief. I know I felt sorrow, but maybe she just doesn't understand grief and maybe I hope she never does, but this is excruciating pain to be dragged up all the time. Um, I we haven't had any time. That was even taken away from us to settle in to what we had heard in court. And I haven't even had that because I just before all this started, I had no phone, I had no social media. I was where I needed to be. I just wanted to, you know, try and grieve and because I, you know, I, I just went very private and I couldn't, do, I wasn't even allowed that. 
Yeah. You know, I just feel like we're suffering all the time. You'd be pleading to her. Pleading, yeah. And I should not have to. This no. should, I really, this should not have happened. I hope it never happens again, ever. And the fear of the costs as well. Yeah. I am worried, but I'm... I, I will keep going. You're determined I, to see I'll it through. Going. I'm determined. I start, It started now and I have to see it through. I really appreciate your call as well. We have family in Cork. Oh, have you? <laughs> yes. Um, that's where I went to actually rest after my son had passed away to my sister. They built a house in for my... Oh, right. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. We love it there. Okay. So shout out to them. Hi, Miriam and Thomas. <laughs> All right. Well, Tracy, look, I, I, I hope it goes well for you on, on Thursday and that you get Thank the decision you so that you I want. I appreciate your call. Thank you for giving us advice. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Thank you Tracy. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, uh, that's, um, that's Tracy Tully. You'd... Yeah, look, the guy might be entitled to apply for this and, and he might fit all the criteria. That, that makes him entitled to do it and, and the minister might have approved it but you, can you possibly imagine what it must be like to be in, in, in poor Tracy's shoes watching this happen Access all areas on Cork's 96FM Your guide to nightlife on Leaside Hi, it's Michael here with the latest on Cork's entertainment Ska Legends Bad Manners have announced a series of exciting shows across Ireland in November The upcoming tour will feature original frontman Buster Blood Vessel bringing their biggest hits to the Oliver Plunkett on November 27th Access all areas Soda Blonde come to Cypress Avenue on December 9th in tow with a new single Try and the band formerly known as Little Green Cars have had some great Irish radio hits in the last few years with tickets on sale now from cypressavenue.ie Access all areas. If you have a gig show or exhibition coming up in Cork in the coming weeks drop us a line here at Access All Areas You can reach us on AAA at 96fm.ie Access all areas Your guide to nightlife on the side On Cork's 96fm John we don't have long but you were listening to Tracy. Morning Morning how are you? Uh, yeah, do you know what jumped out at me, PJ, there at the end, I thought, which was more sad, really, and poignant, right? She actually thanked you, like, I mean, no, the last time I looked like you weren't a justice minister, you were a radio presenter, right? Yeah, yeah. Who does a good job, by the way. Thank you. And the whole, the whole thing about it is that she was thanking a radio presenter, right, for giving her advice. Isn't that amazing, isn't it? She should be thanking the justice minister, Helen McEntee, or whoever has that office, PJ, right? for looking after her son's interest, even though he's no longer here. And this guy should be behind bars. Ten years is a joke. We all know the, the, the sentence that he handed over to court is ridiculous. This guy should be done 30 years at least. Yeah, well, he'll do it. He'll do a, mandat- a mandatory life, which is probably 20 and, yeah, you know. Well, you see, what I want to know is what happened from the deals of Michael MacArthur? You're familiar with that case. I am, I am. Right? He was never charged with the second murder, which... Well, a lot of people wouldn't be familiar with it, John, I guess. But in in terms of the fact, look, the the man, Jackson, he he is entitled to apply. He is entitled to have his application considered. And and the prison service seemed to deem he'd be a good candidate for it. Well, well, leave leave it at that. But this idea of a good candidate, the savage way he murdered that young lad. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And this idea, like, I mean, that he'd be repatriated and his family can see him. That lady, no, can only visit her son in the graveyard, no. But it's very convenient, no, his family don't have to travel. I would make it as awkward as I could for their family to come over there to see him, right? Really, because he has murdered in cold Mm. blood. Pure savagery the way he killed that young lad. Oh, it was vicious. Vicious, he yeah. drove a jeep over him a yeah. few times. Like to me, I'd, I'd, I'd break the key in the lock. Like, fellas like that should never get over again. Yeah. 
never. But of course, look, I mean, the justice system, Helen McEntee, she's obsessed with hate crime and hate speech. I mean, to be more than anything, do the exact job that she was uh, in the position she was given and the Minister for Justice. Give the people of Ireland justice like this lady. And the young man that's gone, they will never walk this earth again. Where's the justice for him? John, I leave it there. Brief, uh, but to the point. Thank you. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96, 96, 96 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 Email opinion at 96fm.ie The Opinion Mine with PJ Coogan On Cork's 96FM Your traffic woes are particularly woeful this Wednesday morning, I'm going to tell you, we got loads of them in at the start of the programme. We started with traffic complaints and they continued to come in. Podrick says, it took me an hour to get from Mayfield to Dennehy's Cross. I left at 7.20. Got off the bus at just gone 20 past 8. Joy, y'all to C-U-H, an hour and 25 minutes. And at the time she sent us that message, she still wasn't there. Cara took me an hour and 25 to get from Ballinhasic to the city centre with my daughter. She ended up 25 minutes late for school and my primary school children 40 minutes late. 50 minutes of that was spent on the south link from the Turner's Cross exit to the Elysian. An ambulance was struggling to get through while we were there. And those are just, they're coming in every day. It's just this morning we happened to, to notice more of them. But it's really been bad And it was a dry bright morning Like it's not And the mornings aren't exactly as dark yet As they're going to get Or as wet and as cold and as horrible As they're going to get Like throw in a bit of frost Or maybe a shower of snow Or a bit of freezing rain and fog In the middle of all that Oh you should have to think don't you But They tell us those who are paid more than we are and those who say they know more than we are and those that we're supposed to give time, they tell us it'll all be great, lads. It'll all be fabulous. We'll have the best, most environmentally sound, most efficient transport system we could possibly want. It's just going to be crap getting there. We'll see. We'll see. But like I said about the four, four, four parking rides we were, we were promised... 20 years ago or more uh, don't hold your breath just don't hold your breath 0818969696 the number the text to whatsapp 0833969696 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie don't get missed out. please don't be at me now about cycle lanes and green agendas and emissions and environments and all that we get all that and I get it that COP27 is on and I get it that it's all a mess and I get it we've got an emergency but right now people can't get to work they can't get to school they can't get to hospital they can't get anywhere because of traffic on Tracy Tully uh, Colin says I think that uh, Jackson should serve the sentence fully in this country you'd wonder do they actually calculate the cost of imprisoning him when they come to these decisions, because that's the only logic I can see. Well, yeah, I mean, if he's in the UK serving his sentence in the UK, it's costing the UK prison system to keep him. Not our system. That makes sense. And of course, it makes sense. You should do the time where you do the crime. I also agree fully with everything John said in that last call. Thanks for that. 0818 96 96 96. It's 100 years. Speaking of law and order matters, it's 100 years ago today 
this very day that the first guards came to Cork. They were known then as the Civic Guard. A hundred years ago today they came to Cork. They came to Cork by boat. To find out more about that before we, we pack it in today. But here's an unusual one. Cathy uh, Davy from my lovely horse rescue. But we're not talking about horses, Cathy. We're talking about pigs. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> what, is, what is the story with pigs being uh, abandoned? Yes, pigs being abandoned, uh, dumped. Uh, we have, we believe it or not, we have a pet pig crisis. Um, it's been building for the last few years. We set up a specific pig rescue farm mm-hmm. um, and uh, to deal with the high numbers of pigs being bought and then the owners realising that they're a lot more work than they first suspected um, and not being able to place them somewhere else and getting desperate trying to sell them on done deal and then no one buying them because everyone wants piglets. Yeah. Um, and I have seen videos of, of cute little pigs, little pud- little, they're like little pudgy puppies and, and, yeah. and, and they're gorgeous. And by all accounts, they're, they're intelligent little animals and they make nice little pets. But, 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 but... Yes, there's a big but. Uh, there, there needs to be a lot of research gone into um, to if you're looking at buying an adorable little piglet. Um, this little piglet will not be a micro pig. Um, I think there's a lot of videos of piglets and people thinking they stay that size, but they don't. They're, they're outdoor animals. They need an awful lot of enrichment. They have very different behaviours than, say, our our lovely little pug dogs or something that you're used to. Um, they may look lovely and small, but they get very big and they get very anxious when they don't get what they need. And so if you consider what a pig is naturally supposed to be doing, they're supposed to be digging their nose in to the ground and roaming and breeding and all of these things. So if you can't provide strong fencing, a large enclosure and specific enrichment and dry bed um, for the rest of the pig's life, which would be 15 to 20 years, um, then please don't buy them because we're actually full um, and there's no other pig rescue in Ireland. Really? Um, yeah, so so it's a big, so people are getting more desperate and the, the prices of living is going up and the stresses on um, on people are, are getting more extreme for the cost of living and then the poor animals are the ones that suffer first. Mm. Um, are we so, talking so here, Cathy, about a particular breed of pig or species of pig, a thing called a coney coney? They're a pet pig. That that seems to be the one that people have, is it? There's an awful lot of coney coney and potbelly crosses. So that's a, a popular pet breed. Um, but the misconception is that they stay small and they don't dig up your ground. But they do. All pigs want to stick their noses into the ground. They all get big. Uh, 120 kilograms is the average weight. And if you imagine that's a muscular animal um, not getting uh, its needs met, then they're going to cause trouble. And also people always maybe provide them with very small spaces and that gets churned up. They poo and pee in that area and people aren't maybe prepared to remove that waste then they're not interacting with their animal, then the animal is getting more and more distressed, and then you have chaos on your hands, breakouts, neighbours complaining, farmers' lands getting churned up, 
it's a disaster. Yeah. So, so I'm really pleased that you're taking an like interest. They'll tear in up a fence. They'll, they'll, they will borrow their way out of fence, the, uh, past a fence and all that, will they? They will if it's not proper stock fencing. So a lot of people are like building a lovely picket fence. They'll be out. You know, need proper, um, very, very secure, high tensile fencing for these animals. Um, and, uh, and a lot of people aren't prepared or have the finances to do that because they get these little pigs, so they prepare a tiny space. But they grow. They all grow. And that's the biggest complaint. We didn't know they were going to grow. Yes. Of course they grow. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> I think, to be fair, Cathy, I would have thought, looking at some of the very cute videos on YouTube and TikTok and other places like that, they, they're the cutest little things. But we would forget, and it's not in the small print, that they can grow into a couple of hundred kilos of pure muscle. Pure muscle and unhappy muscle at that because they have very different needs to what people expect. Um, so yeah, you need to be you need to do your research and don't listen. There are an awful lot of um, breeders out there saying they'll stay very small. And um, if you just type in mini pig, the first thing that will come up is mini pigs don't exist. You know, don't listen to people. Um, there are some very small pigs, but they still will have the same needs. So we still get mini pigs, um, you know, in in um, inverted commas, being um, abandoned or or being begged to take them in because they just can't manage them. And they are beautiful animals as pet pigs, but you kind of need to be the person who's obsessed with their pets. And if you just want something that will be out in a field you know, for the kids to enjoy. Don't forget kids grow out of being interested in, in things that they yeah. are interested in when yeah. they're small. When puppy and then gets left, bigger, it's daddy's doing yeah. the walking. Yeah. That's it. And and my lovely horse rescue have huge numbers of dogs being abandoned um, and huge numbers of horses and goats um, and everything. So on top of everything else, the last thing we need is more pigs being bought for Christmas as pets. Um, so I never just, thought I'd hear the day. I never us. thought I'd hear myself <laughs> say this. Like that people would actually, I, I never thought, I mean, they're cute. But, and, and you would have thought, you know, right, get a, get a pet pig and it'll never get much bigger than the Cavalier King Charles. And, and, and it'll eat, you won't need a food bin because it'll eat all that. Total myth. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, we can't be feeding also like with the price of feed going up because of fertilizer and all the knock on effects of all these awful things going on in the world. Um, the price of feed is very expensive, expensive and you can't be feeding your, your pig scraps from the house because that's illegal. So and you also need it is. Yeah, it is. Um, oh. So you also need a pig herd number, which people are quite frightened of getting because they don't they're afraid that they're going to be judged or, you know, have animals taken off them. That's not the case, by the way. The pig herd number is there just to keep track of the number of pigs in Ireland and where they are. Um, but that's a big problem because people don't have their pig herd number and so they can't sell them on legally. Okay. So there's there's an awful lot of um, red tape around owning pigs, which Just causes Come back a second with, well. Cathy, the, the, the herd number is one thing. That's a tiny little bit complicated for people, but I appreciate that's an important point. But come back to the idea of, again, let's look, let, let's just... Let's just say, Porky, uh, you, the pet pig, is is living in the yard, and you're saying it's it's illegal to feed scraps. It is because of um, African swine fever. So so there's there's diseases that are transmitted via food. So so the department would say, okay, 
we need to stop meat being fed to animals or food that's come into contact with meat that may have been infected by some kind of disease that will transmit to the animal. And then because pigs are still deemed as animals who are eaten, um, wow. then they're worried about diseases getting into the food chain. Oh. Obviously, none of our pigs are ever eaten. We we adore our pigs and their pets. Mm. Um, but it is illegal. So that's something you have to take into account. If you want to do things properly, you need a pig herd number, you need proper fencing. There's a long list. And to put it into context for, yes. for numbers, the amount of, we do have an adoption scheme, but most people who come to adopt pigs leave here after their training day because that's part of the process. They leave here going, pigs aren't for me because actually my life, my life will be over when, looking after when these When they pigs. see the reality of it, it's, it's, a, it's, yeah. a lot, it's a lot less pretty than the picture that's painted by someone trying to sell you a pig. is. Now the other myth, mm-hmm. and okay, again, it, it's a myth that people would be I suppose, innocent enough to, to believe, is that, look, if you're tired of the pig, just take them into the woods and they'll find their own way home or they'll find their own way around and they'll look after themselves. Not true. Uh, not true because, you know, you think of the wild boar. Back in the day, they had native woodland, which has deep undergrowth, broadleaf, acorns and beech nuts falling and and a huge space to roam and nest in. We don't have those forests. Ask anyone who's interested in woodland. We don't have those forests. So those pigs are going to go in there and they're going to starve and they're going to get pneumonia. That is the reality of what's going to happen. And don't listen to anyone who says they'll do great in forests. They will do great in forests if it's fenced in, they have a shelter and they're given supplementary feeding. That's another thing. You know, with a good carer, it's a lovely space to live in. But to manage themselves, they're going to be on the road verge where there's grass. Digging that up, they'll get hit by cars, and they'll, you know, Let's they'll see. suffer. So, okay, Kathy, <laughs> but I, I think I we're, you know we're we're, we're nice six news. weeks we're six weeks to Christmas, <laughs> and we'll have yeah. uh, we'll 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 have the we'll have the conversation the same conversation we have every year. Do not give puppies for Christmas. Do not give kittens for Christmas. And you want to get in and have your say now six weeks out. Please do not be taken in by the advertising of cute little piggies. Don't give a pig. Don't don't have a pig as a pet because it's a whole bigger deal than you think. There are some fantastic owners, but what we are seeing is there's a huge amount of, amount of owners who would rather pass the problems on to rescue. And I'm saying there's one rescue in Ireland that takes pigs and, and we full. are full. <laughs> yes. Full. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Cathy Davy, for my lovely horse rescue, who also take care of pigs. Uh, pig Rescue has 120 pigs currently and they're full so please don't be having pigs as pets for the Christmas 0818 96 96 96 every so often I get something landed on my desk here by the team and I think okay that's a new one on me I would have thought I would have thought that the little small roundy pot bellied pig that you get that it won't get much bigger than the cavachon and that it'll be grand eating scraps off the table and that it won't really do much harm in the garden once you have a nice little place for it to sleep. I would have thought all those things. How wrong was I? 0818 96 96 96. Some breaking news. We promised you this. Mark Zuckerberg, he, the owner of Facebook stroke Meta, has said they will reduce the size of their team globally by 13 
percent. That equivalents to about 11,000 employees. Now, Meta employs something colossal like 80-odd thousand people. Uh, They're going to lose 13% of them and 11,000 jobs are to be lost globally with Facebook's drugs. We do not yet know what is going to happen here in Cork or indeed in, in, in Ireland in general. But globally, Meta is to cut 11,000 jobs out of the roughly 85,000 people they employ. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. The annual Kenya Bowl takes place on Saturday the 12th of November at the Rochestown Park Hotel with a drinks reception, three-course meal and music by the Love Junkies. The event will be raising money to help families in Kenya enjoy a brighter future. For information and tickets, go to brightercommunities.org. If you have an event you would like mentioned, Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With corksimon.ie. No one wants their child to grow up to be homeless on Christmas Day. On Cork's 96fm. Premier League live back at 96fm.ie this weekend with uh, Trevor Welsh and the team. Powered by TalkSport. Back online on Saturday at midday. Live coverage of Manchester City v Brentford, that's half 12. Liverpool against Southampton at 3. Newcastle and Chelsea at half 5. And Wolves against Arsenal at 7.45. Long day for the TalkSport team uh, with Trevor. Premier League Live Online, brought to you by Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. Listening Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app, or indeed you're going to 96FM.ie. Four commentary matches on this Saturday. 0818 96 96 96. And there's a series of special events happening today uh, to mark the centenary of the arrival of the guards in Cork. Uh, the LE James Joyce will be at Kennedy Quay at 3 o'clock. There'll be a parade to Union Quay. Then they'll go to Anglesey Street Guard Station. They'll unveil a plaque there. There's a civic reception at the City Hall at half past five. There's exhibitions in the library because it's a hundred years ago today, on November the 9th, uh, 1922, that the first Gardaí arrived in Cork. The Civic Guard is what it was known as back then. They came to Cork in the wake of the Civil War, only a couple of months after the death of Michael Collins out at Bailnablaw. Now, John O'Brien, who's a retired Detective Superintendent from Ballinhassig. He has uh, styled himself as a, a Garda historian. And uh, he's written a book to mark the centenary of the force. It's called Securing the Irish State on Garda Shia 1922 to 2022. You can get it on his website. I'll tell you more in a second. Uh, John's been telling me about the events of 100 years ago this week. Michael Collins, when he visited Cork in August of 1922, one of the last dispatches that he sent back to Dublin was that it was absolutely imperative to get the civic guards, as they were then known for a year, to Cork and indeed to Limerick as well. So, the, And this was part of, I guess, what they were trying to do was in the wake of, or at least in the trail of the civil war, to bring normal civil policing. Remember, no courts were sitting. The whole civil uh, the whole civil mechanism had broken down. So yeah. the big event was, how were the guards going, the civic guards going to get to Cork in November of 1922? Well, was Cork essentially lawless then, John, at that time? 
And yes, there was a lot of criminality, but it was like, if you like, the the dying vapours of the Civil War, and then it left a vacuum behind. And yes, it was a dangerous place. Indeed, as hence the Michael Collins story itself unfolds, which, remember, it was only two months uh, previously that he yeah. was killed, you know, uh, not far from his home in West Cork. Talk to me about the arrival of the first Civic Guards in 1922. When did it happen? How did they come in? Did you tell me they came in by boat? Yes, yes, because what the, the, the military had done in their campaign against the regulars was when they found that the infrastructure had been totally disrupted, this, they hit on the idea that the only way to get, say, from Dublin or other centres that were held by the, the Irish Free State at that time was to come by boat. So the military had arrived all along the coast in boat, in boat uh, during the court. So when they came for time to move the civic guards, the guards uh, left Dublin on the SS Bandon, as near as I can judge, uh, PJ, on the 8th of November 2022, arriving in Cork on the 9th of November. But they were followed by a second boat, which may have arrived late in the afternoon of the 9th of November or the following day, and that was the uh, Lady Carlo. So yeah. they were the two first contingents of guards, senior officers, inspectors, and about 80 men in each uh, group. And then they were slowly to spread out around the county, you know, to Bandon, to East Cork and stuff and so on. So that was the reason they came by boat was it simply wasn't safe or possible to make it by road Correctly. or rail for that matter. And where, John, were the first stations, like any of the stations that we know today around the city and county? Would, would, do any of them track, track their history back to 1922? Well, they do, and for different reasons. One of the things they regulars did is when they departed Cork, the Borden Union Key, which had been the the RIC barracks up to that point, and the the uh, the, the um, people of my age in Cork will re- will well remember Union Key, and I think the same fate uh, happened the Bridewell as well. So the first guards were actually billeted in the School of Music, and I think they used what we would have called in more recent times, more so tell us their first uh, as their first oh, station. Uh, so, like it, it really was an extraordinary. It was an extraordinary time for uh, for that reason. I mean, it wasn't until uh, April of 1926 that Union Key had been rebuilt and that the guards moved back to it from Moore's Hotel to occupy Union Key Station. My, my dad uh, served in, in, in Union Key, so... In Union Key and, of course, in more modern times, to the wonderful facility in Anglesey Street. But uh, that was the original move. And uh, in some places in West Cork, they were able to occupy, you know, vacated RIC buildings. In others, it was temporary accommodation uh, that became available to them. But they spread quite quickly through Cork, despite the fact. uh, And I think there was a certain amount of amazement, if you like, when they moved into Bandon and then further out to West Cork, uh, Skibreen, Clonakilty, Bantry, because... They were ostensibly young, unarmed men moving into what had been a, a military conflict zone. Yeah, that's John O'Brien, uh, who's written a book about the history of the Garda Shia John's a retired detective superintendent. The book is called Securing the Irish State on Garda Shia 1922 to 2022. You can get it from John's website which is jaobrien.ie if you're interested in buying it. It costs you about €17. Uh, We've got a longer version of that interview, which we'll put up as a podcast after the show. Uh, There's more to it, John. It's a long and a comprehensive and detailed history of Angela Shikana, and it's put together with the assistance of the retired Gardaí, the G. S-R-M-A, the retired guard, the, uh, here in Cork specifically, but indeed around the country.
So, like I said, I'll, I'll give you the, the full version of that in a podcast uh, later. Uh, but just marking the fact that 100 years ago today, the first civic guards arrived in Cork by boat, because it was the only safe way to get them in. 0818969696. We're still following that news from Meta. There's no breakdown yet of what it'll have for Ireland. They've said said 11% of their global workforce. If they were to do that here, that would be about 330 jobs. But we don't know. We don't know, and it's impossible, important to stress, we don't know. Uh, But 11% of the global workforce uh, from Meta, stroke Facebook, will will lose their jobs as a result of these cutbacks being announced this morning by... By Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, on Friday at two o'clock, here's something else the annual commemoration of the sinking of the Ardmore. This is a ship that used to leave Ireland from Penrose Wharf. Uh, it was torpedoed in 1940 off the Salty Islands. There's a commemoration every year to mark it, to mark its, uh, its demise. And that'll happen Friday at two at Michael Collins Bridge. This came in earlier on. I meant to get to it. Sorry for the delay with this. But that big match tomorrow night, I'm quite happy to watch it on the television. Uh, the Munster versus South Africa match at Parky Cueve. 40,000 attending it. It'll be the biggest audience ever at a, Mun- a Munster match in this particular part of the world. I'm just concerned about parking. Uh, I have two disabled tickets. My mum has a walking stick. Can I drive in there? Do any of your listeners have information? Parky Cueve say there's only 15 spaces allocated on the grounds. Because she has a walking stick, she won't be able to walk that far. Do any of your listeners know? The answer to that question is I certainly don't know anyway because I know for concerts uh, like, Elton, like Elton John and Westlife and those gigs, there were some parking available for blue badge holders in the marquee area. That was for those gigs. I don't know what the story is with Blue Badge Stroke Disabled Access for Parky Cueve for Munster tomorrow night. But if anybody can tell us, we will find out if we can get anything and put any meat on the bones of that for you. We most certainly will. PJ Coogan on the Opinion Line. Silver winner. Silver winner. Best news story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Corks 96 FM. Now, you don't need me to tell you, but I'll tell you anyway, how well Irish women are presently doing in sport. Uh, We all know how great the Cork ladies footballers were year on year, how great the Camogie players were uh, and still are year on year. Look at our soccer team headed for a World Cup for the first time ever. Our boxers winning all around them recently at uh, major championships. Golfers like Leona Maguire making great strides in, in the world of sport. But why is it that so many young girls, when they hit their teens, who loved sport as youngsters in school, move away from it? Why do so many of them leave it behind? Yeah, they're fantastic international talent like Kelly Harrington and many of those come through. But why do so many girls leave sport behind? It's something Sive Redmond has been looking into and writing about. Hi, Sive. Hi, BJ. Why is it that so many of them leave and never get the chance to, to hit for glory, as it were? Um, so, in my opinion, anyways, I think there's kind of an overall like lack of 
lack of respect for female sports in the country, even though we've so, um, we have so many um, amazing international athletes. I think the girls, they're kind of, they're struggling to kind of get into secondary school life. They're trying to balance everything. And overall, I think like the environment of maybe teams and um, team sports isn't what they're looking for. And then they lose out altogether on physical activity. So I think that's why girls are kind of leaving sports. They don't really see a future in it. And then they just pick their friend groups over um, maybe playing a team sport. They think, oh, maybe um, the sporty girls are kind of going to get on to. And I think that overall um, image of what sportiness is kind of has to change um, Mm. in this country. Do, do, do they think, Saivitz, or do they come to a point in their teens where they think, well, unless I'm going to be Leona Maguire or Denise O'Sullivan or Kelly Harrington, I might as well pack it in now. Is that what it is? Um, I think it is for sure. I think that a lot of girls think that if they're not good enough to get onto these teams at a younger age or if they're not good enough in their chosen sport, then that's the end of it. And I think that's the kind of attitude a lot of girls have, especially when they come to that age where a lot of thing, there's a lot of things going on in their lives and they just choose that sport is not for them and they could be well capable of getting to those um, heights and they're just not encouraged enough and they're not pushed enough mm. um, in a positive environment rather than kind of a win at all costs mm. attitude um, that we seem to have. Is, is, that, is that changing any bit though or are they still drifting away in the numbers that they were say four or five years ago? Um, I think there has been an overall shift um, for the better in terms of numbers but there's still a lot of girls that don't feel comfortable going to their trainings and that are just kind of going by the wayside um, that aren't being picked up on um, as much as they should be. Mm-hmm. I think the girls that are obviously of natural abilities and that are good players um kind of get the go ahead um so i think there still is a major problem um in the kind of 13 to 15 year um age group yeah just compare girls to boys for a sec if you, if you look at say a world cup so if we make it to a world cup or a european championship and we do reasonably well loads of youngsters want to take up soccer if cork winning on ireland loads of youngsters wants to take up hurling you would have thought that the soccer team getting to the World Cup, the, the, the women's team, Vera Powell's team getting to the World Cup would have had loads of young girls running out to join soccer clubs. Is, is that happening or will it happen, do you think? Um, I think it's definitely a positive. Obviously, um, I think if girls can't see it, they're not going to do it. Um, I think that should be the motto from now on. But I think the problem isn't starting the sports, it's trying to keep them going in it. So I think they just lose interest or they lose focus on it. And I also think there's not enough coverage of these women's sports. It's kind of difficult to get the information about them. Mm. Um, it's not publicised enough, like even the women's um, soccer team getting to um, the tournament for the first time, that wasn't publicised enough. And I know um, media companies are trying their best to try and get more um, female sports um, coverage going, but I just don't think enough is out there so that it filters down into these young girls and boys um, mm. to see their kind of, you know, stars. Yeah. Like, do, do, you, do you feel... That, and I know when, when they qualified for the World Cup here, it was a very big thing for us and listeners were fascinated. But do you think that there's less made of the women's team getting to a World Cup as there would be of the men's team getting to a World Cup, for example? Um, yeah, no, definitely. There is there's less of, um, I don't know, a kind of interest in women's sports. I think people are of the opinion that they're of lesser quality or the matches aren't good enough and that's just not the case anymore. Some of the women's um, games mm. are incredibly fascinating. I think there's not enough being done 
um, to promote the women's games as much as the men's. Like, I think if the men got through to a, a tournament like this, the country would kind of stop up altogether. Yeah. So I think more just needs to be done in that terms to kind of equal out the playing field. I mean, you just take me, and I'm, I'm an armchair soccer fan. I The only thing I ever played with any level of skill was 10-pin bowling. But, but like, where I go on my holidays next year now, I will. the first thing I want to know when I book is where's the nearest place I can watch the World Cup games. Because um, so, I'll be away yeah. at that time. I don't understand how people aren't as fascinated. Do you? I don't understand it myself because obviously I'm interested in sports and it's something I've grown up with. But I think there's just this mantra behind people that the games are not as good as the men's games and why would we bother watching a women's game if it's not going to be of the same quality? So I think that's kind of the... The attitude people have and the opinion they have on women's sports, and that's obviously not the case anymore. Clearly, it's not. I mean, take the boxers. The boxers, yeah. Look, look. I mean, never has an Irish team had so much success as the the, the boxers at the recent championships. And you only have to watch Leona Maguire to know how good she is. So it's it's, it's weird. Made a very good point that you make. We need to take more notice of how well our women are doing in sport, and encourage the young girls to to, to follow their lead. Absolutely, yeah. I think it starts from the top and it kind of filters down to the bottom. Um, girls need to see um, the professionals, obviously, and all our amazing international athletes winning at these competitions. But if they don't see it, how are they going to know, oh, that's what I can do as well? So I think that's where it needs to start. All right, so thank you. Saeed Redmond, your thoughts on it? Welcome. Hello, at one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. We've got such incredible women's sport in, in this country. Uh, why don't we have the interest in it that we do in the men's sports? Uh, I certainly, I know the boxers, I would, the fascinating, I like boxing as a sport. I couldn't believe the success we had at that recent tournament. I love to watch anything that Leona, Leona Maguire is involved in. And like I say, wherever I go on my holidays next summer, I'll be away during the World Cup. I want to know where I can watch those matches. 0818 96 96 96. Can you wish Glenn Myers, Sheila O'Regan a very happy birthday? It's a roundy birthday. It's a double roundy birthday. Two knots. She's 100 today. And happy birthday from everyone in Glenmire, and especially from the mums of Glenmire. They have a lovely picture of her there. God, she looks like you're carrying 100 better than some people carry 60. Sheila, well done. A family of a marquee set up and there's visitors can call for a cuppa and all of that. Good on you, Sheila O'Regan of Glenmire with a double roundy birthday today. Come here. The Crown is back today. Uh, it's gone in a queue because we're watching one or two other things at home at the moment. Can I recommend, before I go and talk about anything else, uh, can I rec- recommend two things to you? First of all, Roadkill on Netflix, which is a fabulous political show, and also The Accident on Netflix. Super show as well. We're watching those, and then we'll move to The Crown. And, of course, I Am A Celebrity is back. Now, people know my relationship with I Am A Celebrity, but there's some interesting people in it this year. Boy George is in it. Uh, Olivia Atwood was in it, and went home after 24 hours. Um, Mike Tyndall. Matt Hancock, yes, that fella. Chris Moyles. There's a reasonably interesting lineup this year in um, in I'm a Celebrity. Get me out of, here, out of here. Or rather, I used to be a celebrity and I want to restart my career. Crossy 
Let's get to the Olivia Atwood story first of all. Why did she go after 24 hours? Morning. So what they're saying is is that something happened in there within the first 24 hours. She found out something. She revealed something. Whatever it was, they were like, right, we need to check you out. And then they're like, oh, we're not too happy with this. You know, can we do a few more tests? And because of these few more tests, it meant she was out of the I'm a Celebrity bubble. And if she had went back in, she'd have to stay in the hotel room on her own for seven days, which meant she would have been a third into the I'm a Celebrity mm. camp. Without, Sounds you know, a bit like COVID there, doesn't it? I don't know. Now, there's other rumours, so I, I won't say online, but it's very easy to go Google Olivia Atwood. What do people think is wrong with her? Um, I don't know. She's making an announcement in the next couple of days. She's mm. gone back to her family. Her boyfriend, I think he plays for... Um, Middlesbrough, maybe? That's right, yeah. Oh, yeah, he said he didn't with, know. With £125,000 in her pocket, which is not oh. bad. <laughs> Do you know what? There was some celebrity was on a couple of years ago and he said the best thing that can ever happen on a celebrity is that if you go into it and you get voted off first because you're sent to a hotel, you're there for the final two weeks of it and you get your full money for a third of the work. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. You still get your money. Hang on there, Crossy. Shirley, are you watching it? Morning. Oh, PJ, you know I'm watching us. I, I love know, it. Yeah. <laughs> you do, yeah. I, I'd, I'd love to see, because, look, he's of my vintage and I remember being a fan. Boy George, I'd love to see him win it. Um, but that's just because I like Boy George. I always have. Yeah, I think he's going to prove to be kind of divisive. He's going to divide public opinion a little bit, I think, because... Um, there's an awful lot of viewers who will be new to him and won't be familiar. And I think Owen, one of the other participants in the jungle, is just highlighting that he hasn't a clue who he is. Um, but I also think that um, he, he's going to bring a little bit of drama. Like he's not going to hold back and he's going to cause a little bit of conflict, I think. And I think he's going to enjoy doing that as well. You see, George, George is of an age now and has enough money in the bank. He doesn't need to be nice. As in, if he wants to get stuck in you, he'll get stuck in you. I think himself and Matt Hancock... Uh, could be very interesting together, as in having a go off one another. Absolutely, I think there'll definitely be a clash there. But I think already with Boy George, like he's he's chanting, he's meditating, he's being very zen, and then five minutes later, he's talking out the other side of his mouth and being a little bit two faced. No. So I think this his experience with Real Housewives has certainly taught him how to create a story arc for himself. You know? Yeah, I. Real Housewives, I'd, 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 oh, stop, stop. I'm going to, will we get a song, will we get a song out of him at all? That's, that's, that's what I'd be wondering. I doubt it, but you never, you'd never know. Who else would you fancy on the list? Um, I think I am enjoying um, the little friendship between Jill and Owen. So you have Jill Scott, who was um, a player on the England women's World Cup winning team mm. um, and probably a lot new to, new face to a lot of people. And then you have Owen, who is a young soap actor. He's on Hollyoaks. But they're giving us the type of wholesome friendship on this show that we didn't know we needed. Mm. Mm. And Eileen, the ba- Eileen Battersby. She'll never be anybody oh, but Eileen yes. Battersby to me, like... You know. Yeah, no, she's a little bit. She's a little bit in the background at the moment, but as you know, as the sh- as shows like this progress, people come into their own and um, they, they kind of get their they, they get their moments as through the trials and the challenges and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Crossy, how is it lasting so long? I think the little break that it had in Wales has done it very well because people what, had three years of not having I'm a Celebrity in a Jungle and now it's back in Australia and people are going, oh, it's back again, let's watch it. 
and kind of personal issues as well. And there's been so much talk around it that I think people were so interested. They go, oh, it's back on now. It's a bit of normality. Let's watch yeah. it. And yeah. the viewing figures for, for Virgin Media are through the roof, by Aren't the way. they just enormous? Through the roof. Enormous. Uh, I, I, I kind of... It's one of those reality shows, and you both know what I'm like. If it's on, I won't leave the room. But that's yeah. about, and that's high praise for me with reality shows. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's high praise. Yeah. But I think myself, I think, I still think it's Ant and Deck who carry it. Yeah, look, they're Definitely two well-oiled yeah. machines, you know. They're, what, 20 years doing it now at this stage. They're brilliant. I, I, th- I think it's getting more fierce. And I think, you know, they've recorded an I'm a Celebrity for next March which was the best contestants over the past few years. Mm. They recorded it in August, and apparently all the challenges that they did there, they're doing them even better for the live shows. Mm-hmm. So they've enhanced them. They've made them more dangerous. They've made people kind of go, oh, wow, how can they push the limits to it? So I think we're going to see a lot more, and I think Matt Hancock is going to be probably in most of it. I think that, yeah, the, he'll be voted into more and more. Come here, lastly, to you both very briefly, the Crown Series 5 dropping tonight. A lot of controversy, particularly, and I can't, ama- I'm amazed how people are so childish, they need to be told we made some of it up. But it's very controversial, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, I, why should you need to be told we made some of it up? It's a drama, for God's sake. It is wild. I've seen five episodes already. I got to see it last week. Get ready for a ride. It's the 90s. It's, you know, living memory. Everything else in the crown was the 70s, the 30s, the 40s. This is the 90s. This is the revenge dress. This is Balmoral burning down. It doesn't let go. This is probably why, when they mix so much fiction into it, Shirley, or so much supposition into it, this is probably why it's stinging people a bit. The, the other series were older history. We didn't quite get the blur between what was made up and what wasn't. But it's, it's that Yeah, that's exactly people. it. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly it. And I think everybody has their own recollection of it. You know, like Crossy said, this is living memory. So you, you know, different generations will remember uh, different details about different things. And if it's not, some people are so, uh, you know, knowledgeable about royal recent history that they, they nearly get offended when there's a little bit of kind of yeah. poetic license taken with the storyline. It always Reminds me of Dan Brown and and that great book, The Da Vinci Code. Where he, <laughs> yes. he actually had to give a press <laughs> conference and say, "I made it up." <laughs> <laughs> Shirley and Tom and, and, and Crossy, thanks, guys. Crown is dropping today's series five. I'm a celebrity every night on Virgin Media from now till about next Easter. That's it. We'll see you tomorrow just after nine. PJ Coogan on the opinion line. Silver winner. Silver winner, best news story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Corks 96 FM.